Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to Catch Up with Louise McSharry. I am Louise McSharry, and I'm so delighted to be with you. I am sitting currently, it's 4.30 on Thursday. I just got home from Paris. I have had the wildest week. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I was traveling. I went to London on Monday. Um because I had this amazing opportunity to go to a screening of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, it was organized by the people from Hey You, which is a streaming platform that streams all the housewife shows and lots of other reality TV. I am fully addicted to it. Um, and so, yeah, I got to go to a screening with uh, Kyle Richards and it was amazing. They were filling up the champagne glasses. Kyle was charming and hilarious. Maurizio walked in. I know this means nothing to anyone you if you don't watch the housewives but let me tell you it was a big moment for me and then the next morning I got to spend a half an hour with her which was amazing and you will hear the results of that in just a little while that's later on in this episode it's a little bit longer of an interview it's about 25 minutes so it's slightly longer than the usual interviews Um, I think it's there's interesting stuff in there even if you're not into the housewives just even on you know um, the internet and the way people respond to things that are on tv and um, social media and all that kind of crack uh, but if that's not for you don't worry you can skip it and um, as I said it's about 25 minutes so you can if you just skip 25 minutes on in the pod um, you can listen to the entertainment segment at the end where Jen Gannon and I talk about all kinds of things including um, Bette Midler and Macy Gray's comments this week uh, whether anyone wants to watch three hour movies and um, whether it's good that Frasier is getting a reboot there's loads to talk about there um, but uh, yeah it was I mean Honestly, I just, just, I'm kind of in shock still that I can't believe I got to do it. It was so cool and I'm so grateful. And then I got the train from London to Paris and I had the most insanely glamorous and thrilling day yesterday in Paris. Um, I was there for, um, it's Paris Couture Fashion Week. Of course it is. I did not know that before I was going. Um, but it is Paris Couture Fashion Week. So we were invited over 
to go and celebrate the launch of a new Victor and Rolf perfume. It's called Good Fortune. And um, so we got to go to the Victor and Rolf Couture fashion show, which was just like the most amazing experience. As someone who's watched and been into fashion and like the culture of Fashion Week and stuff for a really long time, it was amazing to just watch all the chaos of like people arriving for the show, you know, everybody getting their photos, the photographers outside taking pictures of everybody. Um, you know, it was just like peak glamour, everybody's outfits. The people watching was spectacular. The show itself was gorgeous. And, you know, they did this whole really cool thing in the middle where they came out and like completely changed one of the models in front of us like it just made adjustments to the outfit which made it look completely different and then um and then that night there was this big party for the launch of the new perfume um good fortune and uh fka twigs is the face of the perfume so she was there and they had all these people from ballroom culture in new york i had i had seen some of them in um Vice did a documentary series about ballroom culture, um, which is, if you're not familiar, it's um, ballroom is like most of the phrases that you hear on Drag Race comes from ballroom. It started as a culture in the 80s for basically queer people who may have felt isolated from their families and may have kind of run away to New York City. Um, they, they started having these balls um, and they're kind of big parties where people perform and kind of you know dress and sometimes it's drag and then sometimes it's not and it's just like a stunning culture I'm fascinated by it I'm not explaining it well but if you want to learn about it watch the documentary Paris is Burning it's on Netflix um, or as I said there's that Vice series um, there's there's lots around on it but anyway these people these like really big ballroom stars were there and they were doing you know they were having a ball on the stage and then FK Twigs came out and was part of it and it was just like and everyone who was there was beautiful and looked amazing like the outfits were outstanding and it was just one of the wildest and funnest days I've ever had. Um, it was like just dipping my toe into a life that I would never normally be part of, um, but that I'm fascinated by. And I, yeah, I just absolutely loved it. Oh, I'm now looking here and it says that uh, ball culture actually emerged in the 1920s. So it's much older than I thought. I've still got lots to learn about it. Anyway, um, there you go. I just thought I'd fill you in because it was, it's been such a wild few days. I feel a bit like, I don't know, an alien who kind of was has been dropped back into my real life now. Um, but yeah, anyway, so let's get on with it because we do, of course, need to catch up with the news as we always do. And thankfully, we oh, actually, geez, we really need to do it this week. A lot happened this week. It's been a What is going on this week? It's wild. Anyway, thankfully, we have even more to help us do that. Even more. Um, uh, <sighs> Uh, so many newses this week. I will never work as hard for my money as I will in this next 20 months. <laughs> well, like, okay. I mean, there's so much going on. We ha obviously have to start in the UK where the government has imploded. Yeah. So Boris Johnson um, technically has not resigned because he hasn't been to visit the Queen yet and only the Queen can basically tell him to go. Boris Johnson came out and made a pretty demented statement today in which he said that herd mentality in the Tory party has kind of forced him out of the job. He really didn't take any responsibility for anything that he did. Um, this all came about because it came out that Boris Johnson was aware of allegations made against 
an, an MP that he then appointed to the Tory WAPS office. He lied and said that he had he did not know about these complaints when he appointed him. It turned out then that he did know. Um, I think it was the fact that he had lied not only to the press, but his own MPs as well about what he knew and when. Mm. And the tide began turning. Yesterday was just a series of resignations. So Rishi Sunak um, and Sajid Javid, two really important cabinet ministers, both resigned within seven minutes of each other. By the last count, when I went to bed last night, 59 MPs had resigned. Wow. And then he came out at lunchtime on Thursday and said uh, that he was sad to be leaving the best job in the world, but them's the breaks. It's what? all, like, even oh, to the bitter end, he's barsing, you know? It's really something else. The, um, the, speech, the speech was demented. Like, he took no responsibility for anything. The parties, the COVID handling, nothing. And Absolutely nothing. What happens now, then? So, it's going to be a caretaker government. He's replaced the ministers that have resigned and he knew, with new people. And this caretaker government will run the country until a new leader is picked. So Boris will stay instead until a new leader is picked. And it means that around 100,000 Conservative Party members are going to pick the next Prime Minister. Right. Um, they want the, there's a list of names already, but they want it whittled down to two names by the 21st of July. And then there'll be a campaign to be Tory party leader and they'll pick someone by September. And then when, when are they due to have another election? Well, they don't have to have an election. How, so yeah, how does next, sorry a Tory party leader can come in? So how does that and then work? They become though? The prime minister. Like when? What? How? How could? How does an election happen then? The government in power, which in this case is the Conservative Party, call it. Um, they have to call it within five years of the last one. Okay, within five years. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where? So we're what? Two years in or something? Long? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right, so we could have another three years of this chaos. Got it. Yes. Okay, um, speaking of chaos, things actually not so stable here in Ireland in the government either. No, yesterday was absolute chaos. Um, so the government lost, the Irish government lost their majority yesterday in the Dáil when Fine Gael TD, Joe McHugh, voted against the government uh, on a vote about MICA defective blocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, The bill is about a redress scheme that would provide money to affected households to help them rebuild their houses. Mm. And the families and experts that they are dealing with have said that this redress scheme is too narrow. They have serious concerns about the bill. They believe they're going to have to go back to the government and the government's going to end up spending more money because the bill is not suitable. And the families really, really aren't happy about it and their houses are falling down around them. So... Joe McHugh, who is from Donegal and obviously represents Donegal, uh, didn't feel in any good conscience that he could vote Mm. for the government's bill. But I would also say that Joe McHugh has already announced that he will not be running again in the next election. Right. So Joe really has nothing to lose here. Yeah. Yeah. So he made a statement. And so what, what does that then mean? It means that he has now lost the whip. So what's likely to happen is that he'll lose speaking privileges for around six months. So he's technically not on Fianna Gael anymore um, for six months. The government have now lost their majority because there's already two Green Party TDs suspended over their vote against yeah. the National Maternity Hospital. And then they lost you know, Mark McShay from Fianna Fáil, Owen Murphy, the ex-housing minister. He left the doll. Mm. They lost that seat. 
So there's been a number of um, resignations and whatever else. So it's actually 70, 90, 80 to the opposition at the minute. However, the government does have a number of independent TDs that they can rely on to vote with them. So I was with the Taoiseach just before came on this podcast and he said that he's not worried about an election. He doesn't think it'll go to an election. Sinn Féin are going to put down a motion of no confidence next week and try and force the hand of the independents because if a vote of no confidence in the government succeeds, we have to go back to the polls. We'd have to have an election. Mm. Mihal Martin said it doesn't think he'll come to that. Every journalist in Ireland is ringing around to every independent TD today to find out what way they're going to vote. But I don't think, because the other issue is, Technically, Joe McHugh's not on Fine Gael anymore, but he's still going to vote with them. Yeah, yeah. So the reality of it is... This particular issue for him was that he couldn't in all conscience vote for. Yeah, yeah. I I get it. I get it. That's interesting, though. Oh, politics. Madness. But you love Mm. it, don't you, Aoife? I love it. It's like, it's what they say, showbiz for ugly people. That's me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You are not an ugly person. Um, When we stay with... uh, We might as well talk about the fact that the Taoiseach was in the Ukraine. Not the Ukraine. Jeez, I haven't said that in a while. In Ukraine, Ukraine, excuse me, in Kiev um, earlier this week. He was in Kiev and Butcha yesterday. So you fly via Poland and then you have to get a secure train. So it was all kept very hush-hush. They only brought one journalist and one photographer with them. Really annoyed I didn't get picked, but whatever. Mm. They spent a day in... Butcha, um, kind of surveying the devastation that's been left since the Russian invasion there. Then he went and had a meeting with President Zelensky. President Zelensky thanked Ireland for what they had done for refugees, you know, the waiving of visas, um, creating communities for Ukrainian people. Um, the Taoiseach said that he found the trip really emotional. Mm. Um, he said that he went to see, um, there's like a museum and they have like a gallery of pictures of all the children that have died. Oh, God. Um, he said he found that incredibly tough. Yeah, he said oh he found God. that incredibly tough. Um, I mean, he particularly their, would. Their belongings the and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like, like for those not informed, the teacher has lost two children himself. So mm. um, he said he found it really, really um, emotional and quite hard to be there. And it's quite funny. Zelensky kept calling him Mr. Tishik, which I couldn't stop laughing at. Um, <laughs> and then they, Mr. Tishik, and they called him Michaela as well, which was class. Beautiful. Um, yeah, and yeah, he came back today, but he said that, you know, it's just kind of strengthened his belief that the war needs to end, you know, that this Russian invasion is heartless. He said the inhumanity of it was shocking, um, but he was very impressed with the resilience of the Ukrainian people. Yeah, I think we all are, because, I mean, the thing is, the Russians yeah. are not letting up. Like, it is still no. all going down, isn't it? Yeah, like, it doesn't seem to be. They're taking more and more regions of Ukraine like it doesn't seem to be letting up and I don't know how long this will go on for because there's also a food and energy crisis yeah linked to this invasion um that we've talked about before yeah and I Putin does not seem like a very emotionally stable man no um moving on on them to be fair well no exactly (laughs) moving on to America there was well there was more than one shooting of course in America this week Mm -hmm. but the one that really hit the headlines was one that took place um, in Highland Park, which is uh, it's a town uh, in Illinois near Chicago, but n- not Chicago. Um, yeah, it's actually a really wealthy um, town out north of Chicago in Illinois. It's really wealthy. It has a very low crime rate um, from everything I've read about it. There was a 4th of July uh, Independence Day celebration on the main street and a 21-year-old man 
uh, allegedly got onto a rooftop um, with a rifle. He killed seven people. Um, he wounded dozens more. He's been arrested. Um, he actually was on the lam. Like, they couldn't find him for the first day. Mm. Um, he's been arrested since, and he was charged on Tuesday. They said that they would be looking for first-degree murder uh, with a mandatory prison sentence with life without the possibility of parole. We don't know what... I mean, I was going to say we don't know the motivation, but is there ever any kind of normal mm. uh, or human motivation for this? Um Six of the people who died, um, there were, some of them were quite elderly, 69, 78, 88. And then a couple, um, Arena and Kevin McCarthy, who were 35 and 37, were there with their baby daughter. Mm. So that baby went to that celebration with their parents and came back an orphan. Mm. It has um, sort of, you know, we were already in this conversation about gun control mm. in America. There's also now um, talk that they're going to, uh, charge your man's dad because he sponsored his rifle license. You have to get someone to sponsor mm. you. And you're the, the fella that they arrested, he had said and before repeatedly that he wanted to kill people. This is like a known thing that he obviously had mental health problems. He had legally purchased um, a total of five guns, including the rifle. And they were all bought before he turned 21. So his dad sponsored um, the purchase. There's no, as I say, they don't know, um, it, there's no indication that it was racially motivated or, or anything mm-hmm. else. It does, it, I don't want to say that this is just a thing that happens in America, but it is. It um, is and yeah. the shooters, the shooters nine times always ten, out of ten always end, tend to be white men. Yeah, yeah. It's a huge problem and they have got to confront it, like they have got to. And the problem is that every time they talk about gun control, they talk about mental health. And they say that, you know, oh, it's not guns, it's mental health problems. And it's like, yeah, well, then mm. put your money where your mouth is and improve mental health services. Like, you can't yeah. just keep blaming mental health and then, you know, not do anything to improve that, you know. And that really betrays yeah, the real betray- motivation. Yeah, they betray their own argument because when they talk about, you know, um, yeah, that they don't, it's not gun control, it's mental health. But then they put absolutely no... Um, things in place to improve mental health they were against universal health care when Obamacare came in they're against anything that would actively make people's lives better if they were actually worried about mental health I'm just looking at this now there's been more than 300 mass shootings in the United States through early July Mm. that's insane that's insane just in July it's the 7th (sighs) I know, but we're, I mean, we're like broken records at this stage, but it was absolutely heartbreaking to see that happen. Like I grew up in a wealthy suburb of Chicago and, you know, Mm -hmm. I was there for 10 years as a kid and as a teenager. And I, I never went to Highland Park to that parade, but I know that parade. Mm -hmm. I know the vibe. Mm -hmm. I went to it every year in my town and Mm -hmm. just the idea of that happening at, at such a kind of wholesome and joyful and family oriented celebration i mean it's never it's always horrifying but um isn't it something to say though it's like an independence day celebration the celebration of america and the most american thing happened because this is the only country where this consistently happens yeah um anyway let's talk about something more cheerful climate change um so (laughs) (laughs) 
there was a glacier yeah, collapse. Yeah, so we'll do something more cheerful. Yeah. Uh, at least seven people have been killed uh, in an avalanche. Um, it was sparked by the collapse of a glacier in the northern Italian Alps. Mm. Uh, eight others have been injured and there are still 13 people missing because the weather's so bad that they can't get out there. Mm. The Italian Prime Minister, Mario Draghi, said the incident was without doubt linked to climate change. Um, there's you can see the videos online, but there's like you can see the ice mass collapsing mm. and they're kind of running down the slopes. Um, they said that it was there was unusually high heat in the area, so this is obviously like a snowy mountain area, mm. and there was extreme heat. Uh, they said uh, clearly abnormal mm. was the word that the Italian prime minister used and I have his quote here he says this is a tragedy that certainly had an element of the unpredictable but it is also without doubt linked to the de- deterioration of the environment and the climate situation the government are going to take steps now to prevent something like this happening again but this will continue to happen again because mm-hmm. the climate of the Alps is changing rapidly so temperatures are going to have increased by two degrees which is twice the global average so the snow is just going to continue to melt, the ice is going to continue to melt, and this is going to happen. And this is like, not even when you think about hikers, whatever, people live in these times. Yeah, yeah. Like, there are people who live at the bottom of mountains in Italy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just... I'm sorry, I don't... No, <laughs> I know. It's a really difficult, like, it's a really difficult thing to talk about, but it, we have to acknowledge it because you know, this is the reality of climate change. Like, it's not something that is going to happen. It's something that is happening. Like, this is happening. It is happening. All the scary things that they warn us about, they're happening. And, you know, we have to acknowledge that. And hopefully, you know, that will motivate us all, you know, to do our best. Although, obviously, you know, really, it's a systemic issue. And, you know, it needs to be dealt with at very senior levels. And we know that we can all we can all drink out of those like disgusting like paper straws, but we know that like the largest climate criminals are not criminals, but the largest climate um it matters are like the ten biggest companies in the world. Exactly. And so there needs to be government intervention here. Yeah. To put a stop to this. Before I let you go, Ben and Jerry's are suing their parent company, Unilever. This is interesting. Yeah. So like Ben and Jerry's have always marketed themselves as like this little kind of happy company that's like two happies ben and jerry that started this ice cream company and they have always um been very clear about that they did not want their ice cream sold in israel mm. um they said that they do not want any of their products in the occupied west bank so ben and jerry still have like have the board of the company but the, the company itself is owned now by unilever who own basically everything mm. and they've started selling ben and jerry's in the occupied West Bank. Um, so Ben and Jerry's took a court case against their owner because they still have, what's the word, board retained independence. Yeah. So they put in an injunction and said that they wanted to protect the brand and social integrity of Ben and Jerry's spent decades building. Uh, the board voted 5 2 to sue Unilever. Um, but as far as Unilever is concerned, they said it's a, you know, it's a done deal that they have the right to do this. I think maybe with um ben and jerry's it's probably showing that they weren't happy about this as well there was probably like making yeah. a statement kind of thing yeah and it is it is something that's happening a bit more often now we saw that airbnb no longer lists um lettings in settlements mm. you know anywhere that's been taken over or taken away from palestinian people airbnb won't show lettings there mm. um so it is something that is becoming a bit more popular because mm. you know 
And we've seen it even in the last couple of years that the tide has really turned, even in America, mm. where support for Israel has always been incredibly high. You know, people are cottoning on here that there's a serious issue with mm. how Israel conducts itself and conducts its policies mm. um, against the Palestinian people. Mm. So I think we will see more of this from companies in the future because it, you see it even with like musicians, yeah. you know, and people doing concerts and all that sort of stuff as yeah. well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you can't actually do anything about it as Ben and Jerry, um, you know, I suppose making a statement is something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think they wanted to be seen trying. <clears throat> well, Aoife Moore, thank you so much. I, I really am sorry that the news is so bleak, but what can we do? A- at least there was a bit of drama in politics. I mean, that's something. I think something funnier will happen by the time we come around next week. Has to, has to. I, I will find something funny so for find us something to talk funny. about. I will, yeah, I will for fine. sure. Aoife, thank you so much. Thank you. As I said at the opening of the episode, um, Kyle Richards is one of the, well, she's the only original cast member of The Real House of Beverly Hills who is still around. She's been making the program for almost a decade. Uh, she is the aunt of Paris Hilton. She is Hollywood through and through. And she is absolutely lovely and charming. And I was so happy I got the opportunity to spend some time with her this week. Um, she was beautiful and nice. She was carrying a pink Birkin bag. Um, yeah, big fan, big fan. But we had loads to talk about. Uh, all about the housewives and about the reality of being a housewife too. And also she gave me some of the best advice for marriage I think I've ever gotten. I really hope you enjoy this. I'm so excited to be meeting you, Kyle. Um, I guess to give you a bit of background, I am a big housewives fan. Um, in Ireland, it's been really hard to watch the housewives until recently. Um, so I, via n- slightly nefarious internet ways, <laughs> uh, managed to watch for years. Um, and so when I had this opportunity, I was super excited because over the last couple of years during the pandemic, Irish people and women in particular have become obsessed with the housewives. And the number one franchise everyone wants to talk about is Beverly Hills. It's wild. I'm s- that makes me so happy. And you know, I'm Irish. Mm. Um, my genetic testing, I'm basically 100% Irish. Oh, really? So, <laughs> I knew you had Ireland in your background, but I didn't, that's, that's really I know, cool. I, well, I was always told my mom was 100% Irish and my dad was Welsh, and but the Welsh came up like barely on the scale. Right. So, um, I love hearing that. And when fans, you know, message me or follow me on Instagram. Yeah. I just get excited. You know, I really want to go and visit there so much. Oh, well, you would be welcomed with open arms. Uh, People will be so excited to see you. Um, I wanted to ask you because last night I had the opportunity to to go to the screening and watch you do a Q&A and it was so much fun. And Mauricio walked in in the middle of the Q&A and the whole room went mental. (laughs) People love him. How do you feel about that? I love it. You know, I think it's great. it's, It's actually been good for me because, you know, when... You know when, like, your significant other, like, gets up to make a speech, you get, like, a little nervous. Like, yeah. well, my husband will say things sometimes. I get nervous. I get, yeah. like, oh, my God, why? So now when everyone just loves him, I'm like, oh, phew. You know, like, you know, it's gotten, <laughs> I've lightened up about, like, the things that come out of his mouth sometimes because I never know what he's going to say. Yeah. But he's so funny, and I think that's, and he he seems very kind of authentic. He is. You know, you know he doesn't think twice about what anyone thinks or yeah. what they're going to say and he's just kind of like free and it's you know I think that's uh, been good for me too yeah because you guys have been married for a long time and 26 especially years. yeah especially by like you know Hollywood sticks I know people kind of talk shit about Hollywood marriages yeah but what do you think you, the secret to your success is 
Um, I always think about this, you know, um, I think a big part of it, I, I mean, I would say at different stages of my life, it's our lives. It has been different things, but yeah. I, I always say that a big part of having a strong relationship is surrounding yourself with other strong couples. Right. I think it's really important. You know, you know, there's people that have that friend that's a, a cheater or the one yeah. couples always fight all the time or they're unhappy. Like surrounding yourself with other happy couples really um, is very grounding and is, is solidifying, I think, you know. Like, yeah, um, that makes sense. Because it can sense. be contagious. But also just allowing each other to be individuals and, you know, accepting, you know, who that person is and letting the little things slide. And, of course, if you told me this in my 20s, yeah. you know, the things we would fight about yeah. were completely different than what we fought about in our 30s. And then 40s, and now we're at an age like, what is it really to fight about? Our, if we argue, it is the dumbest stuff. It's just usually if one of us is really tired or, you know, yeah. so. <laughs> but even it was really nice. I, I saw, I noticed last night when he was leaving, like he gave you a little kiss goodbye. And I was thinking that's, that kind of affection is so lovely to see that that far into, like I'm 13 years into my relationship. We've been married for six years. Like, and sometimes we have two small kids and sometimes, you know, days might go by and we don't even look at each other, (laughs) you know, because you're so busy by the time the kids are asleep and you've done whatever you need to do at the end of the day. Like you're so tired, you might not even connect on any level. So I thought that was really nice to see. Has that always been the way through your relationship? We are very much like that. I have to say, Mm. and with our, our kids too, you know, even it makes me laugh because, like, we'll sometimes call each other from like downstairs to upstairs. Right. But we hang up. We always say "love you, bye," no matter what. Even though we're in the kitchen and the, you know, yeah, we've always um, just been like that. And my husband, um, thankfully, is a very you know tactile, you know, very yeah. affectionate person. Yeah. And I am also with my husband, and my kids, but I'm not as much as like like he's you know he says hi. He's from Mexico. They yeah. kiss each other hello every time. Yeah, yeah. And I always think, well, this will be misinterpreted. It's always kisses everybody hello. <laughs> But uh, yes, he is very affectionate. I'm very grateful. Well, it's great. It's like, it's yeah. lovely to watch, I have to say, on the show. It's nice to see a marriage like that because obviously you do see a lot of kind of challenges, marriages that are facing challenges on, you know, throughout all of the franchises. Right. Do you watch any other franchises? I do. I do sometimes. I'm not like consistent, but I do watch. I'm not a big TV watcher. I like to read. Okay. So, but, you know, I do, of course, have my shows that I like to watch. And, you know, when I had COVID twice, <laughs> yeah, I too. watched, you know, I binged The Crown, which I was obsessed with. I mean, I was like, who knew I could have fun having COVID because it was just so, <laughs> I was so, because I don't have downtime. Yeah. So that was like, I have no choice but to stay home and, you know, watch television, which was amazing. Um, but I do have the shows, you know, that I watch. And yeah. Some of the other franchises as well. Do you have a favorite of the franchises? Well, I watch OC sometimes because we have the same producers. Okay. And I know, well, I know a lot of the, you know, women on the different shows, but um, I also found Salt Lake City to be very entertaining. Mm. Um, Action like, I mean, well, I, I wouldn't even, I just think it's so interesting to me. I don't know. I mean, they're literally glammed every day and I'm thinking, where are y'all going? 
<laughs> and just the characters are so funny, you know. They're just I don't know. I thought that was they were a good combination that cast. Yeah, let's talk about glam because I think you know the Beverly Hills franchise definitely took glam to a different level. I mean, we see now on all the trips, glam is just kind of par for the course. I know you don't do that, um, and you mentioned last I, night. I want to make it clear. I do for a party. So, yeah, you know, not every party, but some parties I will do. Um, and for my interviews, I do that, but. Yeah on the daily basis or going to meet friends or a girls trip. No. Yeah. And you do that. And last night you said you're not, you're not such a fan of everybody bringing no, there. I'm really not. I feel like, you know, it, it just kind of to me, it's like a reminder that there's a camera there or something. Cause I, I mean, I personally don't have friends that would ever travel. I mean, with, you know, the girls on the show, they do, but I'm like, I don't know. I would never travel with hair and makeup. Like, yeah, no, I don't want to. And also in my personal life, you know, um, when I'm running around, I'm, I don't like to wear makeup. And my husband really does not like makeup. Really? I mean, when I like wear lashes and I'm, you know, filming and doing stuff, I, sometimes I see him like staring at me and not in a good way. <laughs> I know I would really catch him kind of like with his head cocked to the side, like, and I can tell he's thinking, mm, 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 this is not, not, this is not it. <laughs> so we, they're definitely dressing for other women because men are not, most men, I think, are not into that. Yeah, I think most women do dress for other women, though. Yes, and for me, I mean, I love running around in jeans and sneakers. And yeah. I'm actually, even though I love, I love a good handbag and I do love jewelry. Yeah. But um, I'm a very casual person other than those things. I love jeans and a, and a t-shirt and sneakers and you know, I am really beginning to not like high heels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you, I was actually thinking that because I'm not a high heel gal. Like, I'm always in flats, but you guys are always in the highest. Well, I'm only five foot two. Right. Which people think I'm a lot taller. Probably the number one thing people say to me when they meet me and they say, oh my gosh, I thought you were so much taller. I am five foot two. So, you know, and, you know, some of the girls in the cast are really tall. So, I mean, I feel like I have to wear a heel sometimes. Yeah. And um, I mean, they look great. There's no yeah. denying that. But I really like, don't, I mean, like today I have on this wedge, which I, that's. Really oh my like God. That. That's like Cinderella's glass yeah, slipper 2022. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> love this. Um, so it was so fun last night to watch an episode with you. Um, and it was, I thought we were particularly lucky because it was an episode that you hadn't watched before. Yes. I saw you post on Instagram. You were like, no, no comments on last night's episode yes. because it was the party and you'd had a few drinks. Well, the, the funny thing is, is. I saw it the first time with you guys last night, but then I realized it's next week's episode that I'm really scared about. I thought it was this week. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so now I'm not going to watch next week's. Oh. No, because, you know, obviously I'd had a few drinks uh, there, <laughs> as we all had, but, you know, sometimes it hits you differently than other times. And I just like, I remember the next day I mean, apologizing to Sutton. Uh, I called her the next day. I said, I just want to apologize to you. I'm so sorry. Like, I really, you know, I mean, it happens, but yeah. it's not usually captured on camera for most people. But I didn't think, like, I, I kind of loved it. I was like, oh, Kyla's actually having fun at this party. This is really a party. Well, next week, I think I offended her okay. and some people. So, I mean, um, you know, I just, and I really beat myself up in those moments when yeah. I know that I feel like, oh, when I feel bad about something. And I did, I genuinely felt bad mm. because Sutton said something to Diana and, um, and Sutton is my friend to, you know, to be clear, but we have that kind of relationship where we can like argue and then we're fine. Well, that's a good friendship. Or call each other out and then we're yeah. fine. But, um, yeah, no, it's next week's episode that I'm, <laughs> I'm stressed about. So we'll see. <laughs> do you ever, um, 
like uh, uh, my friends and I would talk a lot about the editors and you know some of the editors who work on the housewives I think are some of the best in the world like they can edit things in such a hilarious way like for example on the recent episode where um you guys went to Mexico and in one of the cars I think it was Erica was saying I bet Dorita speaking Spanish in the other car and then it was like cutting back and forth to Dorita yeah, speaking Spanish it was, Spanish su- it was Sutton car. and Garcelle saying that oh, yeah. and then they were cutting I mean that was hilarious it's so, so funny very funny but do you uh, ever feel like oh come on you're doing me dirty here well I mean that was actually happening so you know (laughs) that actually was hilarious um you know I have to say on our show um there's not like really tricky editing you know there there really isn't I mean I used to worry when I first started the show Mm. that somebody could be saying something like oh my grandmother passed away and they would cut to us laughing about something else and put it with that you know that was like my fear but they've never like really done that I mean there can be I remember season one there was a scene where Taylor was like eating her cotton candy Mm. if you're a big fan you may know that from season one she was doing this and they cut to like my husband who like sometimes when he makes a joke he'll like raise his eyebrows but it looked like he was doing that for her and it just created this idea that he was like oh you know I'm like oh god so that kind of stuff was annoying. And can you give feedback or is it just what what happens, happens? I can say I'm annoyed, but it doesn't change, you know, anything. But yeah. they really aren't, you know, tricky like that. They're not trying to create a different story with their editing on the show. Yeah. So you're the only OG Beverly Hills housewife left. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen a lot of people come and go. Yeah. What do you think makes a good housewife? And what are the mistakes you think people make? I think some people come into it thinking, oh, I want to come off like this or I want to be liked, so I'm going to do this instead of just saying, this is who I am. Mm. And what I think I've learned, you know, in these 12 years is it's okay to be flawed. Yeah. And um, just to embrace that. And as long as the good outweighs the bad, you know, we're, I think we're, we're all pretty, uh, I think we're pretty good and safe there. But um, I think just being really genuine, honestly, and yeah. having a lot going on with your life and being open and honest about it. Mm. I think the people that are trying to hide things or uh, control their image too much is like the number one way to fail as being a housewife. Yeah, I hear that discussed a lot that sometimes you can kind of see uh, someone might look like they're kind of trying to produce yeah, the show right. while they're in the show and that that never kind of rings true. Or produce themselves. Yeah. Or, you know, um, that's like something you kind of see. It's actually less like that now. Yeah. Um, but there have been people in the past that, you know, really were, you know, just thinking about what well, we think a perfect example is actually Camille Grammer who mm. came in season one mm. and people hated her, but they loved to hate her. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's a hard position when you're the target of that, even yeah. though the audience loves it. So then she like changed everything and mm. tried to control her image after that. And then she was boring. Yeah, that's and not then, You know work. what I mean? Yeah. So then it was like, okay, well, um, so just be yourself from the get-go, you know? And then, But with that comes a lot of love and hate too. So yeah. you just have to know that. Well, let's talk about that because obviously, I mean, you guys are public people, but kind of like on drugs. Like it's like so intense because not only are you do you have public personas in the in the way that any kind of famous person would, but also your your life is on television. And I, I know myself from having a very tiny little bit of a profile that people do feel entitled to make comments, make judgments, and, mm-hmm. you know, cast aspersions on the decisions that you make in the way you live your life. How do you find that aspect of it? Um, difficult. Yeah. You know, like, for example, actually seeing the show last night with all of you was really 
great timing because sometimes I just feel like the show is just too much and I'll see some of the comments and I'm like, that is not what I meant. And people think like, I can't stand when people think I'm somebody that I'm not, you know, yeah. I mean, I know that I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I don't know a lot of things, but I know I'm a very, I'm a very good person. And, you know, I may say or do certain things that, you know, are stupid sometimes or, you know, uh, that I wish I hadn't said, but, you know, I know I'm a good person, but the comments can really get to me. Yeah. Even after 12 years. Um, and then in seeing the show with all of you last night for the first time mm. and seeing how everyone like laughed and just enjoyed it as like, it's a show and they're just enjoying it for entertainment yeah. instead of overanalyzing every little thing. Yeah. Um, made me feel so much better. Yeah. I was, I, I, I was like, I, I wish I could see it in a theater with all of you guys. Every, well, you would be week. welcome. Um, I watch it every week in my bed. You're welcome to come and lie beside me. I watch on my laptop. I mean, maybe I should start having viewing parties myself instead of watching alone in my laptop but like i went up to my my <laughs> room the same way <laughs> I, I i went up uh, to my room last night and then they, it was like a clip from next week yeah and it's me saying did you guys hear that i saw that erica said you know to f off to garcelle's son and then i said oh my god i said i mean it's funny but it's not funny what i'm saying in that in that moment is that i'm laughing about a friend's drunken behavior yeah i'm not laughing at disrespecting someone's child I mean, yeah. i'm a mother of four yeah. i have a child the same age as garcelle's twins and garcelle's my friend yeah and i adore her kids i mean one of my favorite things of the episode last night was seeing garcelle and her sons yeah and seeing dorit and her mom yeah you know i i don't know why i get very like emotional seeing that you know you know and then i go and i see that comment like how could you say that if it was your child this is disgusting and i'm like Oh my God. And then of course my husband goes, I think it's hilarious. I'm like, Oh my God. Then that's just like adding the cherry on top. Well, I do think that when you get you and Dorit and PK and Mauricio in the room, it feels like something always, you always end up in trouble. Well, that was for last <laughs> season. And, and you know, I was like, great. Now here we, I just, you know what? I've learned after last night, seeing these comments on Instagram, never filming with Mauricio and PK together in the same room. <laughs> oh, but it's so funny. <laughs> funny to the, you know, yeah. but to us. But this is the thing is that I think most people, the vast majority of people watch and get it. And like, you know, having, I don't know you, but when you walked in last night, my friend was really starstruck. And I was like, I don't feel starstruck. I just feel like that's my friend. And I know that's really right. sad, but like, you know, I do feel having watched you for 12 years, like I know we've, we've seen you with your kids, with other people's well, kids. That's why with, I, it's so obvious that you would never intentionally be laughing. I made a comment under one of the blog things and I don't always do that. Yeah. But I wrote under like one of these bloggers, I said, I'm laughing at a friend's ridiculous drunken behavior, yeah. not a disrespecting someone's child. I think you guys know me better by now after 12 years. Yeah. I mean, being a mom and, you know, children are like my, my, the most important thing in the world to me. Yeah. So, but I, it hurts my feelings thinking that it was misinterpreted like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And then those extreme people on social media yeah. are like, oh, you're just lying and trying to backtrack. I'm like, I'm I'm actually a stand-up person. I'm not a liar. Yeah. I would, That's not what, you know, I will own what I do wrong. Well, there is, I mean... One thing I'll say is my husband said to me before I came, he was like, are you nervous? Like, are you nervous about meeting her? And I said, no. I said, I, honestly, I, there weren't very many housewives that I, I just know she's going to be nice. I was like, I'm not worried about it because I, in it's my so deranged head, I think I know you. be nervous to meet me. I, it's so funny to think that. Like, I, I kind of, it's just, even hearing that makes me laugh. Like, yeah. Well, I wasn't. Just little me. <laughs> but, but 
but I mean, I right, wasn't. Yeah. And it's because of the person that you are on the show, you know? Um, and we we see the way that you interact with people. But the thing is, I suppose, there's this whole industry that's been spawned out of these programs, which is blogging, podcasting, talking. I realize we're on a, my right. podcast right now, but like right. writing, observing, you know, people are making entire careers out of talking about and analyzing what you guys say. So of course, it's not always going to be... Well, for nice. someone who has anxiety, like myself, yeah, it's triggering for me. Of course. Um, and my anxiety will be great for a long time, and then something like that will just set me back. Yeah. Like, I was just saying in the car ride over, like, the show sometimes gives me a lot of anxiety. Like, yeah. I was already dealing with some anxiety stuff from the show, and then a comment like that. Yeah. And that's when I'm like, I mean... Who do this to themselves? Yeah, like, I have I have a happy life. I have yeah. an amazing husband, amazing kids, amazing friends. Like, and I just have to like disconnect. So that's yeah. why I mean, I usually almost always watch the episodes, but I really am just not going to watch next week because yeah. even, even I will sometimes be like, I don't like to see my behavior being ridiculous. I don't think anybody would like if they're out having drinks with friends and no. dancing, have a camera, watch them, and have millions of people watch. Absolutely not. I mean, who would do this to themselves? <laughs> Me. <laughs> Honestly, though, I did. And, and especially because... I'm going to blame it on my Irish roots, too. <laughs> Do. We'll take that blame. Um, but the thing is, especially when it's months in between. So, like, you know, that's one thing I see a lot of housewives talk about during injuries is that, and the Kardashians have said it as well, that, like, you know, you go through something difficult and, and you process it and you move on and you might have a fight with someone. And then six months later, however long later, you have to go through it again because it's on TV and all of a sudden everyone, the entire world is talking about it. So I can imagine that's really tough. Well, also, like, you know, I, I mean, I'm friends with Garcelle and Sutton. And now all of a sudden there's like people saying, how could you do this with Sutton? How mm-hmm. did you do Garcelle? And then it's almost they're fueling the fire, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Garcelle wrote like an angry face on Twitter about seeing that clip. And then I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, here we were yeah. doing great. And now I'm like, I have to call her, I guess. And like, I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, so what do you do? Do you text her? Do you call her? Like, how do you guys usually well, resolve these I'm things? I'm like eight hours ahead. I'm like, yeah. you know, like, okay, it's the middle. So yes, of course, I want to call and say, just I want you to know I was yeah. never, you know. But I also, I don't know. There's like more stuff coming up where I say, yes, of course, I would never want someone to speak to my child like yeah. that. You know? But yeah. I also, I also am not like. I could also in the moment laugh about my friend being ridiculous. Yeah. Because people were telling me, Erica fell down and Erica said this and she was flirting with Oliver. Yeah. And I just was like, you know. Yeah. Laughing. She was acting the fool. I also <laughs> laugh in temple. Yeah. <laughs> when I shouldn't. Yeah. Or, you know, if someone chair breaks and I shouldn't laugh. Sometimes I'm like, oh gosh, no, you know. Yeah. Sometimes I laugh in inopportune moments. And we all do. Like, I mean, hello, that's being a human being. Um, it's it's nice to hear you talk about your relationships with the other women. And I think one of my my favorite things on The Housewives on any franchise is when you can see that there's like an authentic friendship. Right. You know, like, and, and it's great to see when there is that authentic friendship, see people having fun and really enjoying each other. Like, I remember there was a scene, I think it was after you had your surgery on your nose, all the girls came over and they were all, or like, I think it was Erica, Dorit and Lisa, and they all kind of piled onto your bed and you were all chatting and laughing. And I just felt like, it felt like a really genuine moment between friends. Yes. And it's really beautiful to see that. And it's so nice to be able to have that, you know? Mm. And I think that, um, I don't know if all the franchises have that. I actually learned that when I was doing the Ultimate Girls Trip yeah. uh, series. Loved and they had the two girls from New York, two from Atlanta, two from Jersey, and myself. Yeah. And all of the Beverly Hills girls were texting me 
have the best time? Yeah. Are you okay? Are they being nice to you? Yeah. You know, we're here if you need us. Like all of them. Yeah. And the other women were like, we do not have that. Yeah. They're always coming for us. Always this. I'm like, it's, we're really not, we will clash at times. So that's why I think I get my feelings are hurt when people are like, how could you do that? I'm like, no, we actually, we're actually friends. I have a yeah. tremendous amount of respect for all of the women yeah. on our show. Yeah. Um, and they're all amazing, you know, moms and businesswomen. And I enjoy their company, you know. Yeah. I think then, you know, the other the other side of that is it's really sad when you see friendships end. And like, for me, I will never get over the heartbreak of Bethany and Jill Zarin. Like, right. I still want them to be friends again. I know they recently posted that photograph that they ran into each other on a plane. And I was like, please, guys, I don't need, it doesn't need to be on TV. I just yeah. need you guys to be okay. Um, and I kind of felt similarly when, you know, your friendship with Lisa ended. Yes, I know. That must have been really hard having that play out on TV and having it be kind of over the show. Yeah, you know, it was a weird situation to be in because this is when you have to say, you know, I'm not someone who thinks, what does the audience want me to say? Mm. I have to be true to myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, which is why, you know, in doing that, you're going to upset the audience sometimes. Mm -hmm. But there were certain things that I knew and other cast members knew that I, if you ask me on camera, do you think this is possible that this story could have been leaked? I could not look at them and say, no, when we, this has already been a discussion before. So I had to be honest. And then Mm -hmm. because I had to be honest in that moment, I, because Lisa was my friend, I wanted to tell her this is the conversation that happened. Mm -hmm. And I want you to know, you know, Mm -hmm. this is what happened. It wasn't that I was trying to hurt her, but I'm not going to not say anything and have her watch the show later. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I had to go and say, Mm -hmm. this is the conversation that happened. This is what I said. Mm -hmm. And it was hard to be honest because it would have been a lot easier for me to just be like, no, I don't think that at all. You know, but I couldn't, I couldn't do that. And then um, it was very hard. My heart was pounding the whole time, you know, in that scene. I was like very, very anxious. Um, of course, and then being screamed at and told to leave yeah. <laughs> didn't help matters. Um, but and was know. that the end? That was yeah. Have you was. you have have you spoken to her since? I mean, I bumped into her um, and stuff, but I don't really know. And will you say hello? Like, do you say hello when you bump into each other, or is it you kind of avoid each other? I've said hello, but she doesn't really. Really, yeah. I said yeah. That's... I say hi, or you know, and, but. I'm someone who can just kind of like let something go. Yeah. As you guys have seen on the show, she's less like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Which at this point now, it's been so many years. Like I'm like, I'm good. You know? Yeah. I know the difference between real friendships and, um, you know, ones that are not, not genuine. Yeah. So there we go. <laughs> well, our time is nearly up, but is there anything you want people to know about the rest of this season of Beverly Hills? What do we have to look forward to? Oh my gosh. So much, so much more stress and anxiety for, for me, <laughs> for everybody. The relationships are all going to be shifting and changing. And there's just so much coming up, just sort of like jaw dropping moments, even, even for me after 12 years. So there's a, a lot, there's a lot coming up, and for the viewer, I think they're going to be very um, very entertained. Well, Kyle, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure to thank meet you, you and speak with you, and I so appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now, as I said, lots to catch up on in the world of entertainment this week. Jen Gannon, writer and journalist, uh, joined me to catch us up on all of the events who put their foot in it. What TV should not be remade? All that kind of crack. Enjoy. Jen Gannon, thank you so much for being with me this week. I am so happy to have you here and we have got a lot to talk about. And unfortunately, we have to start in the land of... uh, I don't even know if the turfs is the appropriate word to yeah. use in this circumstance, but two very famous women kind of made some questionable comments online and on television. Is is Piers Morgan's show on TV? Is that on TV? Does anybody watch it? It's really like if a tree fallen in the forest kind of <laughs> like thing with Piers Morgan and that TV show, because I don't think it's there but I just don't know if anybody's watching it. So does it exist? Yeah. We don't really know. <laughs> Sorry, I was just but. suddenly, I was like, is that an internet thing? I don't know. But anyway, yeah, I'm talking about Bette Midler and Macy Gray. So what was mm. going on this week? I mean, like with Bette Midler, it was a statement on Twitter where she started to kind of say that, you know, the word woman is being erased and that now we have to, you know, say men, you know, people that have, you know, pregnant people etc that kind yeah. of terminology which is and a conversation was- that's happening a lot now at the mm-hmm. moment um and it's a bit of a kind of i don't know red herring or something it's not i feel that like the debate the debate in inverted commas is forcing this black and white rhetoric and stoking this unnecessary fear and this came from her feelings came from this like new york times op-ed and this is where the media does come into play because it is the media that are pushing these sides, these kind of conversations. And Bette Midler actually, you know, because there was such a furore over her comments, because she is somebody that is known to be an ally for LGBTQ plus people and people have really like have attached themselves to her as this idol. She is an icon. Oh, she's a gay um, icon. Yeah, without a question. Exactly. Yeah. And as well, like, you know, did so much work for feminists, for the women's movement and, I think a lot of people are extremely disappointed with that kind of viewpoints. And I do feel like with her, it's that age old thing of some people should not be using social media. And she has had 
time before where she was saying, you know, the lack of formula in America. She was like, why don't women just breastfeed? And then a lot of gay men were saying, well, you know, we have families too. And then mm. a lot of women were saying it's actually, you know, super hard to breastfeed and mm. not all women can do it, etc. So she's had a few clangers like this. And she did come back out and say, look, I wasn't meaning to offend or upset trans people. And if you want to know, you know, I'm into human rights. And if you want to know my track record, look up my Wikipedia. And I think that's the thing. I think with this whole situation, with these, you know, gender identity war that the media have stirred up a lot of feeling for, this is where people are getting caught in the crosshairs like that. And I feel like with Bette Midler, it's a case of education and conversation rather than somebody who is, you know, a total bigot. Yeah. I think this is what happens with these kind of conversations. Yeah, I do too. And I think it's really important that we are careful about this stuff because if you, if things are forced into a black and white situation where if you say something like this, that's it, you're over, you know, like what Bette Midler in the Bette Midler situation like I think that is dangerous because there will be people listening today who might have heard a half story about how you know say in the Maternity Act that's you know in Ireland that women are being removed from that and you know there was that whole thing with Liveline and the National Women's Council and you know and it, and it was all inaccurate because the National Women's Council were like hang on we're we've never campaigned for the word woman to be removed from the Maternity Act we want women to be used and then additional more inclusive language to be used as well and for the most part that's the reality of these situations it's not you know it's not to exclude people um, or exclude women or remove women it's to add in the other people who are also affected by various issues and we need room to to have that conversation with people like Bette Midler who who do have good intentions and who do have an amazing track record when it comes to supporting the LGBTQ plus community Um, you know there has to be room for learning but then you've got Mm. someone like Macy Gray and yeah that's a bit messier I mean for her I think look Piers Morgan his show is a show that likes to stoke controversy I think the media are really feasting on this subject like the way back in the day they used to ask young starlets what their opinion was on feminism to put a trap door underneath them and to get generate headlines and Mm. I think the same thing is happening with this with you know around trans issues and gender identity Mm. it's a way to cause controversy and upset and it's a way for older women to be pushed into the limelight uh, about these conversations and I think you know Piers Morgan we know what he's like we know that is his MO is mm. to, to cause that controversy. And I think Macy Gray, I don't know. She she's come out and said as well that she wasn't anti-trans people either. Just the fact that she said that you may change your identity, but she will never see you as a woman, which I think is pretty. Yeah, she said, I w- this, is, this is exactly what she said. She said, I will say this and everybody's going to hate me. But as a woman, just because you go change your parts doesn't make you a woman. Sorry. Like, mm. I find it a lot harder <laughs> to yeah, come to, at to her with, from that. Yeah, yeah. with any kind of sympathy because that is just, you know, blatantly dismissive of trans people and the trans experience. And yeah. so, and, you know, you're siding with you're siding with the oppressors then. I mean, and I think this whole subject was addressed with real grace and sensitivity and empathy by the comedian Mae Martin. Yes. Uh, in their Instagram stories the other day. And I really urge people to seek that out, find it on Twitter. Um, 
they basically said that nobody is trying to erase, you know, cis women and trans and non-binary people go through that same marginalization and the same oppression and the same violence and threat of violence and are denied the same rights as, you know, cis women. And it is under the patriarchy and we're all the same under the patriarchy. And I really feel this and I really feel that sometimes, you know, as I said, older celebrities are wound up by the media into this frenzy uh, around gender identity and that ongoing circus that like, you know, turfs have whipped up and they feel threatened. But I would hope that people can evolve and understand that, you know, I don't think women are being threatened at all. And we're all in this together. And, you know, our trans brothers and sisters, it, it's always about equality and feminism should always be about equality. And that is the point of feminism. Yeah, it's inclusive. A hundred percent. And like that seems to be an argument that I that I hear regularly from, you know, trans exclusionary radical feminists is that, you know, trans women who grew up living as boys or, you know, living within a male identity had all these advantages. They had all the advantages of being a, a man and being this and being that. And it's like, babe, no, like, I think Emer mm. McLeish had actually tweeted about it a few weeks ago. And she said, if you, re or I think it was maybe in a column she wrote for the Irish Times. And she said, if you really think that, then you have not had enough conversations and or have read, not read enough of the work of trans people. Because mm. to suggest that like, you know, trans, trans women, are sailing through childhood, you know, and, and, you know, absolutely living the dream is, is, mm. is just completely deluded. Like, you know, the challenges that trans people face are, are, you know, are, are extreme. And to suggest that they're somehow at an advantage because of, you know, their childhood experience or whatever is, I think, utterly bizarre. And at the end of the day, as you say, you know, we are all marginalized. We are all mistreated based on our gender or, or how we identify as women, as trans people, you know, queer people. People, and we really need to be all in it together yeah I think that's the thing and just like solidify those voices and I really just think somebody like May Martin and, and, and that statement it, it just is very clear it's very concise it's there's no I think a lot of people are like oh you get so aggressive about this or mm. you know when when this kind of conversation happens and this is something that I just think is so clear minded and so concise that I think everybody should read it if they are thinking about these things yeah. and questioning these things. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. this is from somebody, a, a non-binary person's viewpoint. And I, I really feel it's a, a worthwhile read. And, yeah. and that's just that can be a gateway into, you know, other discussions. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think, it, it, you know, so for every Macy Gray out of there who's out there who is quite ignorant and expressing those views, there will be someone to counteract that. And yeah bring people into the fold and, and have those conversations rather yeah. than just be like, oh, you're horrible. I hate you. Nobody's yeah. saying that. We just, I think it's a, it's, it's a stepping stone for everybody. It's a learning process for a lot of people out there. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I'll try and find, I saw those May Martin stories, but I'll try and find them and link to them in the show notes. Okay, next up is something completely different. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, this James Cameron and Avatar, this nonsense has gone on for too long. And this latest thing, I just, I'm sorry. I'm, I think it should be barred, I, basically. <laughs> I probably shouldn't be talking about this because I love a good long ass movie. Do like you? When my friends, when my friends are talking about you know, a tight 90, which I totally respect. And I love a tight 90 minute film. I also think about my undying love for my film daddy, Martin Scorsese, and his oeuvre, which is like Goodfellas, The Irishman, you know, yeah, okay. Wolf of Wall Street. All like, right, these all are right, all, all long right. ass films. Yes, like. fine. Okay, so here's, here's the thing. 
and sorry, we've jumped in and we haven't explained what we're talking sorry. about. James so, Cameron yeah. is back with the sequel to Avatar and I have no skin in that game because I've never seen Avatar, but I, you know, he, it's going to be three hours long and he said basically either piss yourself or go to the toilet beforehand. He doesn't want to hear your whinging because he's saying his kids have binged on Netflix episodes of stuff that have been hours long and have watched five in a row. And he has a point there, definitely. So he's like, why can't you sit through three hours of this? And he loves a long film. He's given us Titanic. He's given us Terminator. You know, he, he's given us The Abyss. So uh, He's into long. He's into length. Here's my issue. I think that there are films that are three hours long and and they should be three hours long and every minute is worthwhile. And I agree with you, like all of those films you listed, I, I totally agree. However, this move toward almost every film being two and a half hours long and now three hours, like it's like, it, it's just, it, it, it's not always warranted. And yeah, no, I do. I agree with that. And I don't think, I think Marvel have set this precedence with these elongated Avengers cavalcade of crap that we're getting all the time they get longer and longer and longer and they they don't warrant being that long and I think if somebody is a great storyteller uh, and some stories do deserve that length of time and you can see the real richness and depth of it but I don't think something like the Avengers deserves that and I don't think that the Duffer brothers even though I really actually ended up enjoying the last season of Stranger Things I don't think the last two episodes should have been the same length as The Godfather like I just don't (laughs) but I don't know but James Cameron is different I think because we know his track record like I mean who would have thought that we sat through like the whole of Titanic and would do it again and that's three hours long you know I think it might be it might be the avatar of it all that's that's I think I'm probably just not the right the right audience for the Avatar. Although I did watch. I mean, I've the never first seen film. Avatar. I mean, if you're into those blue people, those grown up Smurfs, you, if that's your job. You get it. <laughs> go for it. But for me, I I'm not. I'm going to skip out on that one. Yeah. But I would say James Cameron. I guess you know. I think he knows what he's doing at this stage. Yeah. And he's got a story to tell. And he's been waiting to tell it for a very very long time. Well, it's coming. Um. Now, uh, quickly, let's just touch on um Kelsey Grammer. W- has talked about reading the Fraser reboot script, um, and he said he he was crying. Oh God, I just I don't think this is good news. I mean, I really don't. I mean, other than like, I really. Why are you messing with perfection? Like, other than Kelsey Grammer, no other cast members from the original series have signed on. They've not been confirmed for this reboot, oh, really? and it feels like this bid for him to massage his ego. You know, David Hyde, who played Niles Crane, he was very coy about you know getting involved in this, and you know, just and he's the best having, thing in it. He is like him and Marty and like the fact that like Marty, the dad is is, is now dead, like it's going to lose that certain amount of warmth straight mm. away anyway. And I think despite, you know, it being called Frasier, he's the titular character, the success of Frasier is about the supporting roles. Absolutely. It's about the Niles, it's about the Roses, it's about the Daphnes and, and the Marty's all coming together. Yeah. And I just think Frasier is always heralded as this perfectly structured sitcom, like one of the, the all time greatest. And even when it got messy at the end, it still was so good. Like, and I think to have Frasier like be reduced to something average just for a lazy reboot for money wise for Kelsey Grammer, mm. I just think I don't want to see new Frasier episodes written by people that didn't write for Frasier before and yeah. have Frasier in situations like Frasier gets cancelled, Frasier yeah, against yeah, the woke yeah, yeah. community. Like I, I I, can see this coming yeah. and I don't want it. And I think it's Kelsey Grammer is using this as an opportunity to air 
his grievances and, and get, gain more control over the character. And, mm. you know, Fraser is one of comedy's great liberals. And I think we know from Kelsey Grammer that he is errs on the other side. <laughs> and I'm, I'm worried about what this will mean. Yeah. If he has the most, more control over it, bad Fraser. And also, we saw how horrible he was to Camille Grammer on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And I'm just, you know, I will never forgive him for that. Even though I'm not a Camille stan, the way <laughs> no. he treated her in those early episodes, appalling. Okay, before we go, oh. let's talk about Victoria Beckham. I thought this was really interesting. Um, she mm-hmm. gave an interview and she talked about the fact that she was happy that Harper, her daughter, wasn't on social media because she's worried about her getting body shamed. Yeah, which I think is funny. Like, not funny, but the irony mm. of posh... Uh, Miss Zero Zero herself mm. and I will never forget watching a documentary, a very old documentary from Sky, I think it was with a behind the scenes or maybe it's Channel 4 with Victoria Beckham and she laughed about having a fat friend at one point in it and I have always been very wary about her and body type and issues like that but she, you know, she has been through the mill, let's mm. say, like the world, the world's media have been always focused on her and her body mm. for a long, long time. Like like that skeletal spice headline mm. on the sun when she was walking the catwalk for the first time in those hot pants, mm. that Polonek very long time ago. Um, um, and I do understand then, I guess no better woman to understand those kind of fears around how her child will see herself and perceive herself. Um, I did write about something about the 90s and how, you know, the Spice Girls and how it's actually that era girl power was a lot more misogynistic than we probably previously thought. When you're growing up in that era, you don't really see it. And then when you look back, you're like, my God, yeah, it's, it was pretty horrific. I wrote for Rogue about it. And it, it really is just the fact that that convergence of new ladism and Britpop and the ringleader of that being Chris Evans on mm. TFI Friday. And I know that has come back into the public domain because, A, I think Chris Evans is saying he wants to bring TFI Friday back. Yeah, horrifying. he is, yeah. And B, because a lot of people have discovered there was this great Channel 4 documentary recently about, you know, how Spice Girls ruled the world. Mm-hmm. And in one part of it, they went through their appearances on TFI Friday. And in one of them, uh, Chris Evans decided to weigh Victoria after she had given birth to Brooklyn. And it was like, oh, eight stone, lovely. Well done. And on live television. On live TV. So toxic. Um, And 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 he did that all the time. We wonder why we are... You know, the way we are, the generation, yeah. uh, this our our generation of women who were like teenagers in the late nineties and then in our twenties in the two thousands or whatever. Like, I mean, honestly, we didn't stand a chance. Like, it, it, no. the environment was so toxic. So, like, mm. I can't really be mad at Victoria Beckham because I feel like she's a product of that time. And yes, she definitely contributed to that culture, but she was also a victim of it. And exactly, I can imagine that having been through that with a ten year old daughter, you know. I, you would be terrified that they yeah. might be the same kind of victim to that culture that you were. But I think the culture has changed, but obviously not enough. But um, I mean, it's funny that, you know, the, the boys mm. are allowed to kind of run riot in that mm-hmm. way and like be very public figures or whatever. And I understand Harper is that bit younger, but like, it's just funny to me that there is never a question about no. the boys or how the boys are, are perceived and it's all about protecting, still having to protect your little girl, the, you know, the young girl because yeah. of the way that it is and the way society is and yeah. the way social media is, especially and about yeah. the messages that she might get from social media about herself yeah. and start hating herself from a very early age, like yeah. which is highly disturbing. It highly is. Disturbing. 
It is. Well, Jen Gannon, thank you so much. Unfortunately, we're not going to hear from you for a while because you're starting a new job and that's very exciting for you and I'm delighted for you. We will miss your voice here, but we'll definitely get you back at some stage. But um, lest anyone think that you and I have had some kind of big falling out and that's why you're not... (laughs) Making appearances anymore. Oh, Just for it. party I liked sake. Camille. No. <laughs> um, Jen Gannon. Yes, I definitely yeah, did no, not. <laughs> no, no, not very likable. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that's it. I know it was a bit of a bumper episode this week, but man, uh, the, if ever there was a week that warranted it between the news and the wildness that was happening in my life and the access to Kyle, I mean, sure, look, it was always going to be a long one. Um, thank you again for listening. I so appreciate it. Every single one of you who listens, every person who sends me a message to say that they like it, every person who comes up to me to tell me, you know, when I'm out and about in the world, it means so much to me. I, I would be... I would be screwed without you. I mean, honest God, I really would. So thank you so much for listening. Again, as I always say, if you want to subscribe, if you want to leave a review, if you want to tell a friend, all of that stuff is really helpful and I would be eternally grateful. I hope you have a great week. I'll be back next Friday. I'm sure I won't have anything glamorous to share, but um, but that's okay because it's, sometimes it's nice to just be normal and um, I definitely couldn't take that pace every week. Have a great one. Oh